Hello, friend. Thanks so much for downloading this podcast. And with all my heart, I hope you hear something that edifies, encourages, equip, enlightens, and then engages you in the marketplace of ideas. But before you go and before you listen, I want to take a quick moment and explain to you this month's truth tool. The book is called I Believe, A Concise Guide to the Essentials of the Christian Faith. You know, it's paramount as followers of Christ that we not only know what we believe, but why we believe it. So questions like heaven and hell, angels, the Trinity, all of these are foundational issues for believing Christians. But sometimes we don't fully understand what it is we believe about Christianity. So the book, I Believe, A Concise Guide to the Essentials of the Christian Faith is just that. It's concise And it's a wonderful guide to explain to you the cornerstones of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. It's yours for a gift of any amount because In the Market with Janet Parshall is a listener-supported broadcast. We stay on the air because you pray and give. So if you'd like this month's Truth Rule, just call 877-JANET-58. Ask for a copy of I Believe. That's 877-JANET-58. Or you can go online to InTheMarketWithJanetParshall.org. Scroll to the bottom of the page. There's the cover of the book. If a gift of any amount, we'll send it to you as our way of saying thank you. While you're on that website, you might want to take a moment, scroll down just a little bit farther, and there's a description of what it means to be a partial partner. These are people who give at a level of their own choosing, and they give every month. They get the truth tool if they ask for it every single month, and they'll also get a newsletter, only people that do, that includes an audio portion that only goes to my partial partners. So if you want to be a partial partner or you're just interested in giving one time to get a copy of I Believe, 877-JANET-58 is the route to go, 877-JANET-58, or online at inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. I Believe, a great book for you to put in your backpack as you continue your Pilgrim's Progress. Now, Please enjoy the podcast. Here are some of the news headlines we're watching. By the time the conference was over, the president won a pledge. So Americans worshiping government over God. An extremely next. rare safety move by a nation. 17 years the Palestinians and Israelis negotiated. On behalf of our whole March for Life team, I would like to welcome you to the 51st March for Life, the largest annual human rights demonstration in the world. Hi, friends. Welcome to In the Market with Janet Parshall. It is indeed a cold and snowy day in Washington, D.C., but it didn't stop tens of thousands of people from traveling from all over the country to attend the 51st annual March for Life. This has been going on since Roe v. Wade was handed down from the United States Supreme Court. That infamous decision has left in its wake over 65 million irreplaceable lives whose voices we will never hear. And so Nellie Gray, decades ago, decided that every year people would gather in the nation's capital around the anniversary of Roe, and we would march, and we would pray, and we would encourage one another. And that's exactly what happened today. It was a marvelous day. There was a video that was played for those who were in attendance today that really encapsulates what the march is all about. The theme this year was with every woman, for every child. Here's the audio. When a woman is facing an unexpected pregnancy, what she most needs to hear is that you've got this and that I will help you. We march to change laws, but we also march to change hearts and minds. These centers come alongside women when they're facing an unexpected pregnancy, they give them resources. 
in supporting these local pregnancy centers, you are helping choose life. My name is Jean-Marie Davis. I am a survivor of human trafficking. I had nowhere to go, no family. I wanted to abort my child because I didn't want my child to go through the same things I went through. I got into the room at a pregnancy center. I hear the heartbeat of my child, and from that point on, my life changed. I am now the executive director of Branches Pregnancy Resource Center. Now the ability to help women and work with women who are being in domestic violence or who are dealing with human trafficking. My sonographer really encouraged me to be able to see how continuing on with the pregnancy would add to my goals and visions. I ended up calling to make an appointment for the Pregnancy Resource Center. They have diapers, wipes, baby food, formula, and free counseling. And she just encouraged me and loved on me and let me know that I could do this. When I was 18 years old, I found out that I was pregnant. I was terrified. I was scared. The baby's father wanted me to have an abortion. The first thing I did was run to a pregnancy center. I would not be here today if it weren't for them. The pro-life movement wants to be there to help you. Pregnancy centers want to be there to help you. We here at Heartbeat are an international network of pro-life, life-affirming pregnancy help organizations. Pregnancy centers are all over, opening their doors, answering those calls, and providing that hope. We are alongside our friends at March for Life with every woman, for every child a mom or a dad who's experiencing an unplanned pregnancy, you can do it. You're stronger than you think. Pregnancy help organizations exist because of good people like you. Together, we can truly create a culture that embraces life. What a wonderful encapsulation of the march. Again, the theme, With Every Woman, For Every Child. There was a particular emphasis on pregnancy resource centers, PRCs. We still call them crisis pregnancy centers now. We refer to them as pregnancy resource centers. And there are, for the record, more of these PRCs in the United States than there are abortion clinics. That tells you something about the heart of this country. It also tells you about the heart of the people who serve in these centers as well, who there are there when someone needs them. When a woman needs to know, we've got you, we're here for you, we're going to care for you. It's exactly the opposite message they'll get at an abortion clinic. If you couldn't get to Washington, we're bringing Washington to you today. My team and I have gathered together the highlights of the March for Life and the rally that took place right across from the White House today before they began their march down Constitution and they'll stop at the steps of the Supreme Court to pray. This is In the Market with Janet Parshall, special edition today. I love the March for Life. We'll tell you more after this.
Who is God? Why am I here? How should I live? Could you find the answer to those crucial questions from God's Word? That's why I've chosen I Believe as this month's truth tool. Learn the essentials of our faith in a clear and succinct way. Ask for your copy of I Believe when you give a gift of any amount to In the Market. Call 877-JANET-58. That's 877-JANET-58. Or go to inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. This is a special edition of In the Market with Janet Parshall. We're bringing you the highlights of the rally that took place in my town today at the 51st annual March for Life. Here's some good news. And there was a lot of good news shouted from the rooftops today in my town. There's a new poll out from the Knights of Columbus Maris, and they've discovered that 66% of Americans support placing legal limits on abortion. That's well over half of us, and that nearly six in 10 support limiting abortions to the first three months of pregnancy. They also found that 83% of Americans support pregnancy resource centers, which offer support to moms both during their pregnancy and after their baby is born. Additionally, the poll found that two-thirds of Americans believe healthcare professionals with religious objections to abortions should not be legally required to perform them, and 86% of respondents believe that the law can protect both the mother and her unborn child. I want you to hear from two women who have powerful testimonies. One was in that audio from the video we played earlier. Her name is Jean Marie Davis. She's the executive director of Branches Pregnancy Resource Center located in Vermont. The other woman you'll hear from is Aisha Taylor, who is the author of Navigating the Impossible, a survival guide for single moms from pregnancy through the first year of motherhood. Both of these women shared their stories today at the rally and talked about the powerful impact that pregnancy resource centers have had on them individually. Have a listen. My name is Jean Marie Davis. I am the executive director of Branches Pregnancy Resource Center. In a minute, you're going to see some pictures of my son, of the reason why I am here today. He saved my life. The pregnancy center saved my life. I was trafficked from the age of two to the age of 29. At the age of 29, I was looking at death. I was trafficked in 33 different states. I was hooked onto crystal meth. I wanted to die. I wanted my son dead. I had no life, I had no hope. But then I went to a pregnancy center in New Hampshire and a woman named Phyllis Phelps, yes, saved my life. She gave me the word, I know a man named Jesus. Yes, yes, come on, yes. And she said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Though have believing in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. For he did not come into this world to condemn this world, for this world was already condemned. And because of that, I gave my life to Jesus. And when I looked at it, yes, come on. This is for Jesus, come on, yes. And that woman, I looked at her and I said, now what? I'm homeless and I'm pregnant. How are you going to help me? She got me into a, pregnancy, uh, into a program, and for there, because I challenged her with that question, she opened a home called House of Hope, New Hampshire. And there we worked together, and then two years ago, she looked at me, the same woman that shared Jesus with me and saved my son's life is the same woman that handed me an application for the Branches Pregnancy Resource Center, where we now, we do life with women out there who are struggling and need help. There was a woman that called me at 5 o'clock this morning and said, I need help because my life, my baby is going through a distressed pregnancy. Can you help me? And I said, yes, even though I'm in D.C., I got people that will help you at home. We are here to help. No matter what, we're here to help. We're here for the babies. We're here to save souls and save lives. God bless you.
The pregnancy test was positive. I fell to the floor and cried, Jesus. I screamed over and over again. What was I gonna do? I just quit my job to become a full-time entrepreneur, so the timing just wasn't right to be pregnant. Plus, I was afraid to tell him because in the back of my mind, I knew that if I continued my pregnancy, I would be a single mom. When I worked up the courage to tell him I'm pregnant, I could barely get the words out of my mouth before he immediately suggested that I have an abortion. It's not like we're playing for keeps, he said. I was devastated, but not at all surprised by his response. A couple of weeks later, I went to the doctor and the doctor confirmed that I was pregnant with twins. <laughs> I cried. I tried to move forward with the pregnancy, so I continued with my doctor's appointments. During one of my doctor's appointments, my sonographer noticed just how much I was crying, so she told me about a local pregnancy center. I was so excited about the services, so I scheduled an appointment. I wish I could say that I had decided to choose life when I made that call, but I hadn't yet. I wanted to, but I did not know if I could. There was one particular day when the pressure and the fear was so bad that I picked up the phone to call an abortion provider. But God, they did not answer the phone. <laughs> I never made the appointment. But do you know who did answer the phone when I needed them? My local pregnancy center. As I continued the pregnancy, the pressure to abort intensified, and I was trying with every fiber of my being to hold on to my decision for life for my kids. But I was getting weak. One day I was crying and I needed someone to talk to. I knew the center was closed, but I called anyway and pleaded with the Lord for someone to answer the phone. And someone did. The woman listened to me cry and reassured me that everything was gonna be okay. It was what I needed to hear to come to that appointment instead of trying to call the abortion center again. And so I am eternally grateful that I found the pregnancy center. And I remember when I was transitioning out of their, out of their parenting program at the center, I said, I can't repay you for everything that you have done because my twins are alive. But what I will do is pay it forward. And so today I pray that this is one of many days that I can pay it forward. Therefore, I want to tell everyone marching today that your work matters. It was because of people like you that allowed someone like me to choose life for my unborn twins. And there are so many people like me who need people like you to be there to give them hope and a pathway forward when they're experiencing an unplanned pregnancy. So I want to say thank you. Your work matters and we need you. You know, the distinction between a pregnancy resource center and an abortion clinic is just immeasurable. It's why our father says so clearly in the book of Deuteronomy, I've put before you this day life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. So the theme this year is apt and it's appropriate and it's true with every woman for every child. I have had the privilege of speaking and, and visiting pregnancy resource centers from Hawaii to Florida over the years. And 
I have to tell you, I have seen these precious frontline saints in action, sacrificing, preventing, encouraging, coaxing, schooling, doing all of the wonderful things necessary to let that mom who's struggling know that she's loved. The ones that are the most vibrant, by the way, and I think Jean Marie Davis's testimony explains that clearly are the ones where Jesus is the center of the center. They're interested in saving lives temporally, but they're more interested in introducing these women to the unconditional lover of her soul who will give them eternal life. We're going to give you more of the highlights from the march right after this. today's edition of In the Market with Janet Parshall, we're bringing you the highlights of the 51st annual March for Life. And again, it was so wonderful to see tens of thousands of people come from all across the country of all different ages because they were standing for life. The focus this year, again, had the theme with every woman for every child. And there was a very big push for pregnancy resource centers. And there should be because they are currently under attack by some of the people on Capitol Hill. We'll get into that a little bit later. But it was probably a comforting day for somebody who hails from the great state of Michigan. And that's where Jim Harbaugh's from. He was the 20th head coach for the Michigan Wolverines. He played college football for Michigan from 83 to 86. He played in the NFL for 14 years, including a long stint with the Chicago Bears. He became head coach of Michigan in 2015, and he was a winner all the way. Well, he is also a warrior for the sanctity of human life. And he had the privilege today of not just sharing a few of his thoughts, but also of introducing a man who was a former NFL tight end. A man who was drafted by the New England Patriots in 2004 and played for teams like the New England Patriots, the Cleveland Browns, the Baltimore Ravens, and the New Orleans Saints. He's also been a guest on this program multiple times. His name, Ben Watson. So I want you to hear first from Coach Jim Harbaugh and second from Ben Watson. Thank you all for being here. It's a great example that you're setting. It's testimony for the sanctity of life. It's a great day for a march. It's a great day. This is football weather. Let's go. What an incredible honor to get to introduce Ben Watson, talented individual on the field, talented, courageous, fearless leader off the field. He's making a difference in the lives of so many. It's my pleasure to introduce somebody who speaks truth clarity and grace combines bold conviction with kindness fearless humble and courageous proud father of the watson seven a helpful warrior for the sanctity of life please give a great welcome to benjamin watson hey coach got me ready to go play some football Yeah, it is an honor to be here with you all, March for Life. I've been calling the period of time we're in right now the new fight for life. Roe is done, but we still live in a culture that knows not how to care for life. Roe is done, but 
the factors that drive women to seek abortions are ever apparent and ever increasing. Roe is done. But abortion is still legal and thriving in too much of America. Roe is done. But even so, in the cold and the snow, you have continued to travel from around the nation to this place to recognize that the fight for life is not over. God's word challenges us in the book of Micah to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly before our God. I believe that this is the essence of what it means to be with every woman and for every child. With uncommon courage, we must do justice, not only by protecting innocent preborn life, but by correcting injustice and rebuilding opportunities so that mothers and fathers can flourish. With deep compassion, we must love kindness by offering a continuum of care that provides lasting resources and support. Unless we think we can continue this work in our own power, may we always realize that our wisdom and our strength is found by humbly seeking God's direction for the path ahead. Emotion runs really high in mountaintop gatherings like these, but the battle is won in the valley. Men, in a country where too many of our marriages are crumbling, go back to your homes and fight for your families. <laughs> Civic leaders, in the current climate of compromise, go back to your committees and your communities and legislate for life and for justice. All of you frontline workers in pregnancy resource centers around the country and other life-affirming organizations. Go back to your post knowing that every encounter is not simply about saving one child, but you are saving generations. Yeah. And all you young people, with all, of your, with all of your energy and all of your ingenuity, go back to your schools and go back to your teams and your churches be leaders that are unashamed to stand for life. Friends, friends, keep pressing on, keep pressing on, keep pressing on until abortion is not only unthinkable, but for so many who think that it's necessary, it will no longer be necessary. Friends, keep, keep, keep pressing on. God bless you. Ben Watson speaking at today's March for Life. This is a man who is unwavering in his commitment to the sanctity of human life. But I particularly appreciated the way he challenged dads to be the fathers that God has called them to be in their own homes. And he's also reminded us, and I think having two athletes cover this part of the march was very important because there is an athleticism to this battle. It is not a 50-hour dash. It is a marathon. You know, last year we celebrated because it was the very first march we had had since the toppling of the house that Roe built. And we thought for a minute that somehow abortion was going to be eradicated from our culture and that plague that has so wrapped itself around the soul of this country would disappear once and for all. It didn't. 
It got moved to 50 different battlefields. And there is an opposing worldview that will stop at nothing to make sure that abortion on demand becomes the law of the land in every state, whether the people of that state want it there or not. So when Ben ends his talk by saying, keep pressing on, we've been told that before. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, we are to run with perseverance the race that's been set before us. Remember, I've said many times that while the issue of abortion may don the robes of a judge, may put on the suit of a legislator, at its core, this is a spiritual issue. It's why the Lord's name has been invoked over and over and over again. When we come back, what is happening on Capitol Hill? Recently, future battles, and what will happen at the court? We'll tell you right after this. Jesus told us to go into the world and not run away from it, and he didn't say it would be easy. In the Market with Janet Parshall is a program designed to come alongside and walk with you into the marketplace of ideas. Partial partners are those friends who support our program on a regular monthly basis. They know the mandate of influencing and occupying until he comes, so why don't you become part of the inner circle of support? Call 877-JANET-58 or go to inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. If you're just joining us, today is a special day because we're bringing you the highlights of the rally that took place as part of the 51st March for Life here in Washington, D.C. It's miserable winter weather, but it never stops anybody. Shine, hail, sleet, snow, ice, they have come for the last 50 years and come they did indeed today. Now, what's happening on Capitol Hill? It is often that there will be members of the House and the Senate who will come and show up, those who have been unwavering in their support for the sanctity of human life. But this time, there was a special class that was given to the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, who hails from the state of Louisiana. Uh, He has a very strong position on this, but then again, he's very unapologetic in his relationship with Jesus Christ. After he spoke, he was followed by Congressman Chris Smith, who I think has been at every single march, at least the ones that I've seen uh, for the last umpteen decades. He represents folks in the good state of New Jersey, but he also has chaired the Congressional Pro-Life Caucus. Yes, there is one. And he's been a member of that for more than 35 years. He has led the charge in Congress for numerous pro-life protections, for unborn babies and their moms. So I want you to hear back-to-back, first Speaker Mike Johnson and then Congressman Chris Smith. Have a listen. It was the great uh, British statesman G.K. Chesterton who famously observed that America is the only nation in the world that was founded upon a creed. And he said it was listed with theological lucidity in the Declaration of Independence. What is that creed? What is it from our nation's birth certificate, the Declaration, that makes us who we are? We know the language so well. We hold these truths to be self-evident. In other words, obvious, that all men are created equal. Not born equal, created equal. That's what the founders said. That's right. And that they're endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, including the right to life and liberty, pursuit of happiness. Those are inalienable rights. They cannot be taken away. And, and so it's from the very beginning that our founders boldly proclaimed those self-evident truths, that our rights do not come from government, our rights come from God, our Creator. That's right. And it also means that every single person has inestimable dignity and value. And your value is not related in any way to the color of your skin or what zip code you live in, what, how good you are in sports, where you went to high school, it's irrelevant. Your value is inherent 
because it is given to you by your Creator. Our national creed is the essence of who we are in this country. It is the foundational principle that made us the freest, most successful, most powerful, most benevolent nation in the history of the world. And we can never forget that. I am myself a product of an unplanned pregnancy. In January of 1972, exactly one year before Roe v. Wade, my parents, who were just teenagers at the time, chose life. And I am very profoundly grateful that they did. See, what we have to do right now, and I believe the reason all of you are here is you understand that we have to build a culture that encourages and assists more and more people to make that same decision. This is a critical time to help all moms who are facing unplanned pregnancies, to work with foster children, and to help families who are adopting, to volunteer and assist our vital pregnancy resource centers in our maternity homes, and to reach out a renewed hand of compassion and to speak the truth in love. That's what we do. All of us can play a role in that really important work. This is also a pivotal time to promote quality health care for both women and their unborn children. This week in Congress, you'll be encouraged to know the House passed the Pregnant Students' Rights Act because, that's right, because uh, being pregnant while finishing your degree can be really difficult, but, but women should not be presented with a false choice of being a mom or being a student. That's right. We also passed the Supporting Pregnant and Parenting Women and Families Act. That's a big one, too. Right now, right now, you should know, the Biden administration is proposing a regulation to restrict funds to pregnancy resource centers. We know those are the centers that states rely on to assist uh, expecting moms and dads. And that action would undercut that important work, the important material support that expecting and first-time mothers get from these centers. Our bill would prevent that regulation from coming into effect and ensure that the states can utilize these centers to help people in need. Who could be opposed to that? We're, we're passing these bills and we're marching today because it takes a lot of work to convince people that every single human child, every unborn child, has a value that is too profound and precious to ignore. And we have every reason to be optimistic, my friends, that we can change public opinion. We find encouragement from the leaders of previous generations. We can learn from the great Americans who changed public opinion throughout our history. Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass and Susan B. Anthony. They challenged the prevailing narratives of their day and they succeeded. And you know how they did that? We have to remember this, this is the key. Th their success was grounded in our nation's creed that we just spoke about. And they reminded their fellow Americans about our founding principles and as Lincoln said in his famous first inaugural, the better angels of our nature. We should do the same thing today. My friends, let's be encouraged, let's press on in hope and that we can join together and make this great difference. I believe that we can. We can stand with every woman for every child and we can truly build a culture that cherishes and protects life. God bless you. Thanks for braving the weather. We'll see you soon. You know, ladies and gentlemen, at a New Jersey Pregnancy Resource Center, two women expressed through tears of joy their deep and abiding gratitude for the incredible love, respect, and care that persuaded them to reverse their decision to abort their babies. They spoke of how desperate and even hopeless they were, and they thanked the director 
for being there in a non-judgmental and a very gentle way to persuade them to have their child. They chose life. Then, two teenage girls got up, took to the podium, stood side by side, and they talked about their lives, school, their family, their friends, sports, and their reverence for the sanctity of human life. Near the end of their remarks, however, they turned towards the director of the center and said, if you didn't persuade our moms to let us live, we would be dead. I was so moved and, and to hear that kind of testimony. There are more than 2,700 pregnancy resource centers throughout the United States, each and every one of them an oasis of love, compassion, empathy, respect, and care for both mothers and their children. As Jeannie mentioned earlier, Americans agree. The new Marist National Poll found that 83% of all Americans, including 75% of Democrats, support, I say again, support pregnancy resource centers. They, like all of us in this human rights movement, stand with every woman and for every child. We reject the violence of abortion, dismemberment, child beheadings, and abortion pills that literally starve the baby to death. As you all know, Dobbs conveyed the lawmakers newfound powers at every level, federal, state, and local, to save lives. We're greatly encouraged and filled with hope and resolve. Lives are being saved. Yeah, we'll have a setback here and there. Every human rights struggle does, but we are undeterred. We will not give up. At least 25 states now have statutes that are either in effect or being litigated that protect life. My own state is one of the bad ones. Uh, we have abortion till birth, but we won't quit in New Jersey either in trying to overturn a law that was passed by our governor and by the legislature. This week, under, as he said, Mike Johnson's leadership, two new important pro-life bills authored by two courageous lawmakers, Michelle Fishbach and Ashley Hinson, passed the House. We're working, and we're working for the babies and their mothers. Tragically, President Biden, the abortion president, has weaponized the entire federal bureaucracy to aggressively promote abortion on demand, including a full-court press to force taxpayers to pay for it. Last Congress, President Biden's absolute support was for this, to say, and House Democrats passed this not once, but twice, legislation to enable and, and authorize abortion right up to the moment of birth. Think of it, all nine months, and that baby could be killed. And that's Biden's view. That extremist legislation poses an existential threat to countless women and to children. The Biden administration and some governors and lawmakers, including in the House and Senate, continue to smear and misrepresent the noble work of pregnancy care centers, and we can't let that happen either. We will never, and I know so many of you, especially over the years, we will never, 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 with the grace of God, never quit in our defense for the weakest and the most vulnerable. Thank you. So you just heard from the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson from Louisiana, and Congressman Chris Smith, who's co-chair of the Congressional Pro-Life Caucus. You should understand, and when he talks about a full-court press, he's not over-exaggerating. The Biden administration wants to block access to health care for moms and families by taking funding away 
from pregnancy resource centers, and many of them depend on that funding that provides critical care to the moms and their families. If you support the Pregnant and Parenting Women and Families Act, and we'll talk more about that in the days that come, that would actually stop the administration from defunding these centers. Can I say it again? It may put on the robe of a judge, it may wear the suit of a legislator, but at its core, this is a spiritual issue. So I think that's the way we battled this. We put on that armor we find in Ephesians 6, and we declare that God is good and that when the righteous rule, the people rejoice. We've got more. In fact, I want to tell you how this rally ended a powerful way for Washington, D.C. to hear the best news ever. Back after this. So I want to hearken back to Ben Watson's remarks speaking today at the 51st March for Life here in Washington, D.C. And the clarion call was to press on. So let me just give you a couple of things that we need to be thinking and praying about. The next major battle is access to the abortion pill because the Supreme Court now is set to review a case involving access to that drug. Justices are set to review a ruling by a federal appeals court that allows the pill to be distributed by mail. And for the record, that abortion pill is four times more dangerous than surgical abortion. That decision is likely to come by the summer of the middle of this year. Also, another issue facing pro-lifers is going to be the issue at the ballot box. Since the Supreme Court overturned Roe in June of 2022, every pro-life ballot referendum on a statewide ballot has failed. But all statewide ballot initiatives to expand abortion rights has in fact passed, and it would be easy to be discouraged, to grow weary in well-doing. Again, if we understand the fact that Hebrews 12 is very apropos here, that we run with perseverance, that we keep our eyes on Jesus, that we do this not because it's a comfortable political issue, but because it is a transcendent biblical issue, we press on. Now, the March rally ended in a profound way. Greg Laurie was asked to close the event in prayer And this is a man who's unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you saw the Jesus Revolution, partly this is his story as well. You know him as the senior pastor at Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California. But when the name of Jesus is declared loud and clear through the streets of Washington, D.C., I don't know about you, but it really humbles me. All the caterwauling and the complaining and the protesting that goes on in that town somehow is quieted by the name of Jesus when he is lifted up and lifted up he was. Listen to what Greg Laurie had to say. I'm so proud of all of you coming out on this very cold, snowy day in our nation's capital to speak for those who have no voice. And this is personal to me because my mother was a beautiful woman. Otherwise, why would I be so handsome? And that was not a joke, by the way. That offended me when you laughed. No, I'm kidding. It was a joke. So my mother was married and divorced seven times, and she had a fling with some guy in Long Beach, and I was conceived. I was not planned. Thankfully, my mother carried me to term, and I was born, but it sent me on a search very early in life. And I was wondering, what is the meaning of my life? You know, why do I have this big hole inside? I never had a father growing up. And one day on my high school campus, I came across a group of people that we called the Jesus Freaks. That was not meant as a compliment. But they interested me. Why would these people 
have a smile on their face? Why would they have a spring in their step? Why would they have this joy in their life? I had experimented with drugs and drinking and other things, and I thought they seemed to have something. And a young man got up and spoke, and he gave the message of the gospel. And what is the gospel? The gospel means good news. It's a simple message that we're all separated from God by our sin, but God loved us so much that 2,000 years ago, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sin, and then he rose again from the dead. And if we will turn from our sin and invite Christ into our life, we can know with certainty that we have eternal life. Right? And I know, I know that many of you here are people of faith. I've seen your signs coming in. I've seen you praying. But I wanted to just pray with you for a moment, just in case there's someone with an earshot, someone here that is not certain that if this were their last day on earth that they would go to heaven. Because we don't just care about being born. That's very important to us. But we want you, as Jesus said, to be born again and have eternal life. And if you're not sure if your sin is forgiven, if you're not sure if Christ is living in your heart, if you're not sure that you'll go to heaven when you die, I'd like to lead you in a prayer. A prayer very similar to the prayer I prayed, well, 70, well, not 51 years ago. And that's when my life changed. And I'm going to ask you, if you want Christ to come into your life, to pray this prayer out loud after me. In fact, to support those that are praying it for the first time, why don't we all pray this prayer together? It's a prayer of asking Jesus to come into our lives and be our Savior and Lord. Let's pray. Pray this after me. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, but I know that you're the Savior who died on the cross for my sin and rose again from the dead. Jesus, come into my life. I choose to follow you from this moment forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Let me pray for you now. Lord, thank you for every man and woman, every boy and girl here today. Many came from a great distance to our nation's capital to speak up for the unborn. We pray for our nation. We pray for young women who find themselves pregnant, that they would carry these babies to term and raise them up or put them up for adoption. We pray that we as believers, the church, would be there to support these mothers. We pray that you would raise up godly people in our government, in the Congress, in the Senate, in the White House, yes. as well as local government officials who would stand for the unborn. You tell us in your word when the righteous rule, the people rejoice. Lord, we pray for a great spiritual awakening yes. to sweep the United States of America. We need another revival. And now as we prepare to march for the unborn, bless us. And we remember the prayer that Jesus gave us 2,000 years ago. And we pray it together now. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. God bless you. So that's how the rally for the 51st annual March for Life ended. So let's pray that there were many whose names were entered 
into the Lamb's Book of Life today. For them, it was so much more than a march. It was a redirection of their eternity. It's also a profound reminder that in 2024, an election year, this is going to be an election issue. Lie after lie after lie will be told. And yet quietly, these precious men and women of God who serve in the front lines of the Pregnancy Resource Centers will be there for with every woman for every child. You and I need to prayerfully support our local Pregnancy Resource Center. Volunteer, knit booties, be on the 24-hour hotline, serve at the center if you can. You just seek the Lord's face to see what role he would have you to play in this most important of issues. So should the Lord tarry next year, they'll do the 52nd March. But for now, the 51st March is on the pages of history. But the battle for life continues. Thanks for joining us, friends. We'll see you next time on In the Market with Janet Parshall.